Uninvisible is a support podcast that provides information, ideas, suggestions, and experiences that deal squarely with medical issues that present unique advocacy issues for individuals. We do not provide medical advice of any kind. We do provide support, concepts, ideas, discussions, and information you can use to make sure that you are being heard and that your concerns are being addressed. Please consult with your physician for any medical issue that you are facing, but we will be here for you along your journey. We welcome all comments about our episodes and, of course, the correction of any errors. Information and comments that you send to us are governed by our Terms of Service and Privacy Policy, which are available on our website, located at www.uninvisiblepod.com. The opinions expressed by guests are their own and are not necessarily the opinion of Uninvisible or the show sponsors. Most of all, we welcome your stories and experiences to share with our community, because without you, this community and the benefit it offers all of us would not exist. Any advertising that you may hear is accepted without regard to our editorial content. Of course, in the event that you are having a medical emergency of any kind, consult your physician or emergency services. Welcome to Uninvisible. I'm your host, Lauren Friedman, and I'm here with my guests to bring you info, insights, and inspiration for coping with, diagnosing, and treating invisible illness. We're here oversharing, so you don't have to struggle with invisibility anymore. All right, guys, thanks so much for joining us again today. I am here with an old favorite of ours, the lovely Sasha Alexander. Just can't get enough. Oh, we can't. (laughs) Sasha, thanks so much for coming back and talking with us. You have an update for us, which we posted with the episodes that we already have put up for you, but why don't you tell us what's going on? You've got some updates. Well... Da, 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 da. Drum roll, please. I have Lyme disease. Woo! <laughs> One of the worst diseases in the world. I have Which it. Is, and, and FYI, we're having a little dance party about it. <laughs> so, so do do you still have oh all the stuff you were dealing with before? Yes. I didn't. I don't have toxic molds. So that's not toxic mold. Yeah. You were mistaking toxic mold. We for were mistaking Lyme. Lyme disease for toxic mold. That's exactly right. Wow. Yeah, and they often come together, but I don't have them both, which is a huge Lucky. relief because I'm actually recovering really quickly compared to a lot of Lyme patients. Yes. And it's partially because of everything I had already done for like the past five years. Mm-hmm. And it's partially because I don't actually have as many what they call co-infections mm. as other people. And toxic mold is an example of a co-infection. A co-infection means... Apparently, ticks are, like, filthy. Like, who knew? So they they are disease carriers, so I feel like, yeah, they're probably pretty filthy. Yeah, they're, like, repulsive. And so when you get bitten by one, you usually... If if it has Lyme, and not every Mm. tick does, thank God. Yeah. It usually also has... some like combination of other infections and in tick-borne illness world we call those co-infections and the reason we call people are starting to call Lyme tick-borne illness instead of Lyme is that's actually more specific because generally when people get really sick with quote-unquote Lyme it's because they were given like multiple infections by this tick okay and so it's not like you just have Borrelia which is the Lyme bacteria you also have like some parasites or some fungal infections or all of all of this stuff so I have um what they found in me is just Lyme and Candida so and we knew you really had candida. Easy. We knew that you were like pretty yeasty in your gut, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, and then I also, this is a little bit more confusing, but I think I have Babesia, which is a co-infection that just 
didn't show up on my blood labs, but okay. my doctor said negative doesn't mean anything. Positive means positive. Okay. And so she was like, even though both of these Babesia tests were negative, from what you describe, you probably have that. Because so they're treating that as well? They're yeah. treating what they're seeing instead of what yeah. the labs are telling yeah. them? Right. Well, and luckily, like, I'm with a, I'm with a medical group that doesn't, that treats Lyme like with You're with the same doctor as me. Yeah, I'm at Lauren's doctor. <laughs> um, and um, they treat Lyme, I guess I was going to say, like, holistically in that they boost your immune response. Yeah. So it's going to kill any infection I have. As opposed to, like, here, take this antiparasitic drug for Babesia. Take this antibiotic for Lyme. That's the old model of treating tick-borne mm. illness. Although some people still do it. I don't recommend it. Most people that have Lyme are so sick by the time they get diagnosed that the idea of putting them on like two years of antibiotics that just will just like fuck their gut up and make their immunity so much weaker, I think Mm. is a terrible idea. So my my doctor doesn't do that, which I appreciate. So yes, basically what I'm doing, which is ozone therapy, peptide therapy, and FMT, fecal microbiota transplant. Which is three things. This like I love when Sasha's on the show because we talk (laughs) about butt stuff. You make that sound really sexy, but it's not. <laughs> Although, actually, in a weird way, I get so like erotically excited about my treatments <laughs> that I feel like I'm like yes, because yes. the idea of being well is so oh, exciting. Yeah, you know? it's like I like get a hot flash thinking about it. So those, those hot flashes <laughs> from last time, those are Babesia. Oh that is my not goodness! My so it wasn't related to your T3 dose, which is what we thought it was. You know what? That's a good question. It potentially still was because okay. we did two things when I got to Doctor Hunt at Holtorf. Yeah, one was we put me on T4 in addition to my T3, which really you weren't helped. on T4. No, I was on. And you have Hashimoto's. Yeah. That's cuckoo bananas. I'm so glad she put you on T4. <laughs> That's kind of guys. Well, for those of you who don't know, T4 is synthroid. So like, if yeah. you have hypothyroidism Mm -hmm. in any form, whether it's autoimmune or not, like it's very likely 99.99% that you're going to end up on Synthroid, which is the synthetic thyroid hormone or a compounded version of it. But it also isn't the best for everybody. Well, but doesn't everyone have to be on it? No. Oh, see, I thought you had to be, I thought everyone ended up on T4. Half of us end up on T3 as well to support the T4. Well, the reason I was taking off T4 is because I wasn't tolerating it very well. Like it was plunging me more hypo. Oh, interesting. Because when you have Lyme, which I have, you also have something called a high reverse T3 usually, Uh. which means that your liver can't convert T4 to T3. So if you take additional T4, you can actually become more hypo, which is happening to me. But I think in the interim, I healed enough that I was able to tolerate the T4. Yeah. So my thyroid dose is now much more appropriate, but we're also treating Babesia. So it's hard to say. Like, I think the T4 ended the hot flashes and just like really helped with my bloating I'm now testing normal on the like thyroid muscle reflex test, which is amazing. Unbelievable. Yeah. But I also think Babesia had something to do with it because even once we changed my dosage, like when I was first getting ozone and killing a bunch of stuff, I would have like sweated out hot flashes in bed and those have Mm. stopped. Amazing. It's probably both. It's part of the progress through your body. Yeah. Okay, so so let's let's step back a minute. Yeah, that's fine. Tell us what Babesia is. Okay. Tell us what Lyme is. 
Okay, so Lyme is a, um, it's named after a town in Connecticut called Lyme, where it was first discovered. Mm. It's not, people say Lyme's disease a lot. That's not That's accurate. It's Lyme, <laughs> like Lyme. the town of Lyme. Singular Lyme, L-Y-M-E, Lyme. That's right. And it is a spirochete, which is a spiral-shaped bacteria, mm. that is very difficult to treat because it changes form. It changes into, like, there's, like, a cyst form, there's a sp- spirochete form, and then there's some other form that, honestly, I haven't even educated myself about because... I'm just treating it. We know what it is. So basically, there are three forms. That's why it hides from your immune system really effectively. Mm. The reason it's so destructive is because it survives by attacking your immune system, kind of like HIV. Mm. So people that have HIV, um, it's a virus that starts to disable their white blood cells. Lyme is a virus that starts to destroy your inter- and and extracellular nervous system, meaning like between the cells and within the cell. So I've had Lyme for 25 years. So by the time mine was discovered, the reason I could never fight the candida, which is actually a pretty basic infection, like candida is not difficult for your body to treat. And that's a a yeast gut gut infection. Exactly. And it it can be gut, it can be skin, it can be on your tongue and be thrush, and it can be in your butthole, make your butt itchy. That's like a- Told you we were going to talk about butt stuff. (laughs) It's already happening. (laughs) And uh, the reason I couldn't get off antifungals, we now understand. This was so exciting to discover. Mm. It's like everything fit together once I figured out I had Lyme. Yeah. Is that the Lyme had successfully, like, disabled my natural killer cells, which is this really important part of your immune system. Mm. Um, Okay, so that's the basics about Lyme. The reason it's so hard to diagnose is because there's another spirochete um, infection, which is syphilis. So sometimes, like, if you have this spiral-shaped bacteria um, like found in your blood, they're going to assume it's syphilis. Like I know okay. that's one reason, which is a lot easier to treat. Totally. Yeah. Um, and also, it's uh, the CDC has different guidelines for diagnosis than what most people clinically present as. So, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, a Western blot is the Lyme test that confirms or denies that you have Lyme. Mm. It's a blood test. It's called the Western blot for whatever reason. And they test something like uh, like 13 different bands, mm. which is what they call the different kinds of like antibodies that you have against it. Mm. So they test for Lyme by seeing if your immune system has formed an antibody against Lyme. Sure. You need to have formed, according to the CDC, five different antibodies to really prove you have Lyme. According to my doctor, you only need three mm. and I have three. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. So if you were going to a doctor who wasn't a functional medicine doctor, yeah. they might be like, no, nah, you don't necessarily have Lyme. A hundred percent they would. In fact, yeah. I took the Igenics, which is the kind of the gold standard Lyme lab here in America. It's in San Francisco. Mm. I think it's like Palo Alto or something. And there's like a Germany one that people send their blood to, but there's, there's only a couple of labs in the world that people are like, if you want to be absolutely sure, mm. get this tested, this lab. So I did the Igenics because I had been in chronic illness world for five years. I knew that if I wanted to rule out Lyme, it had to be the Igenics. Yeah. And even the Igenics came back saying I was indeterminate for Lyme. Mm. So my other doctor, who I love and trust, was like, you don't have Lyme. And I was like, let me see it. Yeah. And I took it to the Lyme doctor and she was like, for us, this is a positive Lyme diagnosis. So like, mm. And she tested me with a regular Western blot and that whole thing was negative. Oh, wow. So the Igenics found it. The normal Western blot didn't. And she was like, we're going to go with this Igenics, especially given these other markers you have. Right. I had an incredibly high C4A, which is an inflammatory marker. Mm. And I had things called, um, uh, what do they call them? 
biofilms in my blood. Okay, what are those? So the way that Lyme survives, and Candida, actually almost all infections, mm-hmm. is they form these little like exoskeleton shells around themselves mm-hmm. made out of minerals from your body that keep your immune system from like getting in. How Imagine like they? a shield. Yeah. yeah. How dare they? Rude. So if you've had an infection for a long time, they can actually, your blood actually gets thick with these. Like oh they're God. like floating around in your blood. So there are five different kinds of biofilms they can test for, and I had two out of the five. Oh so God. she was like, so your blood's pretty thick. So anyway, I don't remember exactly what mine were, but I had to end up, I had to start taking something called a biofilm buster, Hmm. which are enzymes that dissolve these biofilms. Wow. um, Before I was able to kill the infection. Okay. So basically my, like I had a positive Igenix ultimately, even though Igenix said it was indeterminate, my doctors say it's positive. Right. And then on top of that, I had all these other markers in my blood that were like even more significant. Mm. Um, And it's worth noting also that the doctors who you're seeing, the doctor who runs the practice has Lyme as well and has had it for like seven or eight years. And so it was really at the forefront of a lot of like treatments for Lyme. Yes. That's right. Um, that's right. So what was definitive for me was my natural killer cells were down to four. You're supposed to have 30 to 120. Oh, my God. So okay. basically the Lyme had, like, devastated my natural killer cells. Um, my C4A was extremely high, which is an immune marker to see how hard your body's working to fight an infection. Mm. It can't identify what the infection is. But I think normal is, like, up to 200. Mine was, like, 25,000. Oh, my God. Yeah, because Lyme's a really serious infection. Wow. So it's like if your, your body's trying to get rid of it re- for years... Mm. I also have those inflammatory markers in my gut, by the way. My stool tests have, like, my um, beta-glucuronidase is, like, 40,000 or something, which is an inflammatory marker, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And then the the biofilms. So once we found that, it's like, she was like, this is unquestionable. You have this. You've probably had it for a long time, Mm -hmm. given the state of your immune system. Um, and I was so excited because yeah. I have been looking for this final piece. And, you know, last time I was on here, I thought it was toxic mold because yeah. I was improving on antifungals. But it seems as though the candida that would overgrow because of the Lyme would give me a lot of my symptoms. Mm. So it's like those antifungals were controlling that. And then I also think that once I lowered the burden on my immune system, it was able to better fight the Lyme. Yeah. Like I think that if I'm on antifungals and the candida is controlled, the immune system then probably had an easier time going after the Babesia and the Lyme. Mm-hmm. So these are kind of my working theories. What's so right. interesting is we don't, there's a lot that we don't know still. Yeah. Like, well, example, I, well and yeah. I'm going to swing back around really quickly. Tell us what Babesia is, because I don't think we covered oh, that. Oh, yeah. So Babesia is actually a parasite. It's a tick-borne parasite that lives in your red blood cells mm. and under-oxygenates your body. So that air hunger symptom oh, my that goodness. nobody knew what it was, it's Babesia. Oh, my God. Yeah. It makes so much sense. Yeah. It? And one of the reasons I thought about Lyme, ultimately, in the first place, because the first time I thought about Lyme was like two years ago, mm. thought I had ruled it out at the time, I hadn't, mm. was because of that symptom. That air hunger is so unusual yeah, and it shows up in Lyme people. So if you have air hunger and you're like, what the fuck is going on with my body? Could be Lyme. If you have air hunger, mm. Lyme is something to like double down on. And I will say, I was the first one to discover that air hunger might be connected to Lyme two years before I committed to like really figuring it out, right? Mm. So it's like it takes some time. Lyme is the like called the imposter. It's like the famous imposter because often it looks like rheumatoid arthritis or lupus or MS Mm. or ALS or Parkinson's. Oh my god! If you have any of those five diseases, like make sure you don't have Lyme. By which I mean, 
go to Igenics. Yeah. Go to like a Lyme literate doctor. And I would talk to other Hashi's people. They'll be like, oh, I had that. And now I'm fine. Or like, mm-hmm. I don't even treat it anymore. I was like, what? It's a mixed bag with Hashi's I find too, yeah. though. Because yeah. I, I mean, I was also a lot sicker than other Hashi's patients. That's true. But that's because I had sleep disorders too. Mm-hmm. Well, have sleep disorders, you know? Right. So right. because my main symptom was fatigue, that was like ramping up right. even more, you know, right. because of the sleep disorder stuff. So I think it really depends what other yeah. stuff you have going on. And when it's not just one thing, right. you know, right. that just makes it that much more complicated to treat and to diagnose. Oh my God, a hundred percent. But I think probably what, what we're getting to the bottom of here is that like most of us probably have more than one thing going on. Oh, Every autoimmune patient has toxicity and infections, yeah. unquestionably. That's why we have autoimmune disease. Yeah. Like, that's why my system works mm-hmm. with the six root causes is because it's never just what's on the surface, right? right? And so I happen to have, like, a huge untreated root cause, which is why I'm improving so much now. Yeah. Lauren, as soon as Lauren saw me, she came in and she said, you look so healthy. And I yeah. was like, yeah, like... I'm starting to look so different. I know. You know? Okay, so so speaking of treatment, tell us what yeah. is involved in treating Lyme. Okay, great. So the classic way to treat Lyme disease is IV antibiotics for like years. Mm. I was very clear I didn't want to do that yep. because I already had this, I had a sense that over treatment with antibiotics is one of the reasons that I was so sick in the first place. Quite possibly, yeah. And, and I want to talk about that. Great. So what did you want to qualify? Oh, so what I wanted to say about antibiotics is one of the questions my mom asked when I first got diagnosed with Lyme, and I thought it was such a good question, is she was like, Sasha, if you were on antibiotics for two years at age 10, why didn't it kill the Lyme? Mm. And I was like, what a question. So I took it to my doctor, and she was like, well, you have to be on a specific trio of antibiotics. Yeah, it wasn't kill the Lyme. antibiotic. It wasn't right. the antibiotic. So I just think that's worth saying. Yeah. Anyway, so the way I'm being treated is to actually, it's like twofold. I need to kill the Lyme that's in my body. Mm-hmm. I also need to reverse the damage the Lyme did to my immune system. Yeah. So... I'm on peptide therapy, which we can get into, but I know yeah. you might have already shared about it because you do it. No, I haven't actually. So, oh my god, cool! We both do it, but we we're doing we're doing different peptides, but the same yeah. way of doing it. Yeah. Um, and for me, it's been gut clearing, and for you, it's been immune rebuilding. Yeah, right. So uh, I do peptides, and also my doctor recommended stem cells. I'm not going to do them. Okay. Probably, because they are so expensive, and I probably don't need to. Like, I'm getting well really fast. Yeah. But um, but it could be something down the line if you have a flare again. Like 100%. Yeah, you could. 100%. Like, if I get $20,000 to spend mm-hmm. on my Lyme, which, I mean, eventually I will, right? Like, yeah. I can choose where to spend that. I might go to Panama and get stem cells. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, Panama, because you can get more and better for the same price. I've heard Germany's also really good. Germany, yes, yes. Mm. So for the immune rebuilding, just so that your audience knows, stem cells and peptides are what do that. Mm -hmm. And then to kill the Lyme, I'm on an ozone blood treatment that I do once a week. And I'm also on some supplements to increase my immune system. Like um, I'm on something called Gamma Protect, which is bovine IgG, which actually I was on already for a year. Do you see what I mean? Like I was kind of treating the Lyme on accident. Anyway, I'm on Gamma Protect. I'm also on something called... um, transfer factors, which have medicinal mushrooms plus beta-glucan, which they sometimes give people for cancer. Mm. So I have some like oral supplements I take to increase the immune system, but the heaviest immune system stuff I do are the peptides. Right. Okay. So you were asking about peptides, right? Yes. So, so, okay. So you're injecting peptides. Yeah. Um, and for those who aren't familiar with these peptides, I actually take one orally and then inject three. Okay. Um, that's what I do. Um, and it's five days a week, like five days on, two days off, uh-huh. uh, four weeks on, 
one week off in in a five-week cycle. So I don't know if yours is the same. Yes. Okay. And basically, they give us these little insulin needles, Mm -hmm. and you just take 30 cc's and you like stick that right in your belly and mm-hmm. squeeze some some of that belly fat and stick it in yeah um so and it was surprisingly chill yeah. I remember the first day my sister was visiting because once we found out I had Lyme like my family came down to support because it was like oh my god we cracked the case and also yeah. this is a really serious disease so my sister came to spend a weekend with me and she was here when I did my first injection <laughs> and I remember just like I was holding this needle and I would put it next to me and I was like Rach I can't <laughs> I would like pace it's just so weird to like stab yourself with something. It's I know. the opposite of what you want to do. I know. But then when I actually did it, I was like, oh, that was like literally nothing. Yeah, because there's such tiny needles. It's so chill. It's like just a little tiny prick and it's done. Mm-hmm. And it's like mm-hmm. super easy. And sometimes I don't even feel it actually. I know. I find, I like poke around until I find a spot that's Yeah, kind where of you numb. feel it less. Yeah, 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 totally. And then you don't feel anything. Yeah. yeah. And it's so easy that way. So that is one thing you're doing. Okay. Mm-hmm. What, what else are you doing in terms of therapies? Um... So I was recommended for a fecal transplant because Tell us what that is. of my recurrent candida. So okay. a fecal transplant is when somebody with a healthy microbiome, mm. meaning a healthy colony of bacteria in their gut. And the way you know they're healthy is because, A, they have no acne, no history of autoimmune disease, mm. um, no chronic infections. Um, also, like they tend to choose people that are very like physically fit and active mm. because there is a connection between gut biome and obesity. Mm. Uh, in rats, if they give, if they take like the, the microbiome from like an obese rat and put it into like a skinny rat, the skinny rat will become obese. Oh my God. So, so the people who are donors, who are mm. literally donating their feces, like they're donating poop, yeah. they test the stool to make sure it doesn't have infections, of course, but they also like grill the person about their medical history. Sure. And so they can't have taken antibiotics for the past like 10 years or something. Mm. And then on top of it, I think I hit the main ones, like no autoimmune disease, no acne. I'm sure there's a ton and you can look it up. So I I have been like desperate to handle my candida for years. Mm. And so when my doctor suggested this, I was like, yes, please. I've been wanting to. Right. But it's difficult to get one unless you have an infection called C. diff, which is a deadly infection of the gut, Mm. which is the only thing that fecal transplants are technically FDA approved for. So in chronic illness world, there are all these people going rogue and like finding poop from their friends and like getting it into their butts. Which let's just say not a good idea, guys. Not a good idea. That's not how you do it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I knew I was on these message boards being like, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to like get poop, mix it in a blender with saline. I was like, this makes me want to die hearing about it. But um, I did find, through those message boards, a doctor in Santa Barbara who was willing to treat me even though I didn't have C. diff. I'm not going to share his name because I want to make sure to protect him. Sure. Um, But he did change my life. And so basically... Did you have to go to Santa Barbara to get the treatment or did they send it to you? No, it was sent to me. So I did a phone session with him. And And he explained how to do it. And and I sent him my stool result my stool results for the past six years because basically we can show that I've had something called persistent dysbiosis Mm. meaning my gut diversity is really really low so imagine I don't know these actual numbers I want to be clear about that Mm. but imagine you're supposed to have like 40,000 different species of bacteria in your gut I would I had like 5,000 right right I think even less, like I had very, very low diversity Mm. and overgrowth consistently of ones that cause autoimmune diseases. Yeah. And we had done for years oral and like, um, 
antibacterials, herbs. We had done yeah. tons of probiotics. I'd even done probiotic enemas mm. where I like put probiotics up into my colon. Nothing would take. So I'm kind of like a perfect candidate for a fecal transplant yeah. in that even though there are really small risks inherent in it that like I could get something from this person – there, it would probably be better anyway. Yeah. Like, and mine is so you, devastated. Well, and also, luckily, you went through a professional, so yeah. you were doing it the right way, which oh, I would yeah. say is the way to do it. Oh, my God. I could it. not recommend more. Like, I think mm. only if you really can't, either financially or, like, you just don't have access. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it was overnighted to me. That I had five transplants overnighted to me from Portland from a stool bank called Microbiomes LLC in Portland. Oh Big shout out to donor L1 and J1 <laughs> that gave me their microbiome. And it was, it came frozen in dry ice. It was like one of the coolest like yeah. science experiments. I'll like send you pictures to post if you want. Yeah, that would be um, awesome. So what do you do? You just stick the poop up your butt? Yeah. You thaw it in the morning. There's a preparation. So there's like a... Oh, it's got to feel uncomfortable. No. Wow. It was fine. It was fine. I mean, I had been doing enemas, so like... Yeah, so you're used to sort of dealing yeah. with that area. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> I would say the most uncomfortable part was... Um, so if you do a 21-day like cleanse of your gut, which actually was fine. It was mm. just taking ozonated magnesium citrate to like loosen any old fecal matter. You just yeah. want to be like as clean as possible. The day before... And magnesium citrate being a laxative. Being a laxative. The day before the transplant, um, you have to fast and then get a colonic. None of that was fun. Yeah. That was the hardest part. The next morning, five mornings in a row, you like take an implant out. They call it an implant. You thaw (laughs) it. It's just poop. It's poop mixed with saline. Mm. You thaw it for like an hour. It comes in like an enema bottle totally done for you. Okay, great. You like lay on the bathroom floor, squeeze it all into your butt over five minutes, and then lay there for half an hour and like massage your colon and let it like sink in. Okay. And then you wait an hour to eat. And I did that five mornings in a row. And within, by the second day... My skin completely cleared. Oh, my, my God. My bladder pain vanished. Oh, wow. Vanished. Like, within hours. Wow. I started drinking coffee, which <gasps> I could not tolerate. And you know it was my favorite thing. I know. Coffee is your thing. It's my favorite thing. And I couldn't tolerate it with my bladder. Oh, my God. And it's like it's like I'm living in a totally different body. Oh, that's I also amazing. lost, God, like four pounds of bloat. Like I'm wearing a different pant size. Yeah. When I last saw you, you were like, do you want these clothes? Because I don't get them anymore. (laughs) Because I have new poop. Yeah. Because somebody gave me their microbiome. So anyway, the fecal transplant's incredible. I'm probably going to do another round when I get some more money in. Sure. It's um, Because none of this is covered. Oh, no, no, no. This is so experimental. I mean, so my doctor recommended I do 10. That would have been $5,000. Okay. I decided to do five for $2,500 and see how it went. Sure. I'm probably going to do another five in another six months because it was so successful. Wow. And I still have some like lingering stuff that I would like to kick to the curb. Sure. Um, All my bladder pain is gone. I can't oh even, God. like, literally, the, like, I remember my third transplant day, I was, like, like weeping, just, like, because yeah. living a life without urination pain is, like, beyond. Mm. The only thing that's left from my IC is I still have some, like, pressure and urgency, but even that, it's, like, yeah, I'll go an entire day. Like, I went to an entire play. I didn't pee one, I didn't pee for six hours the other night. Like, that's bizarre. Huge for you. Yeah. Yeah. So that wow. that is like I literally it was astonishing. I was texting my boyfriend being like these results are astonishing. Like I can't mm. believe somebody's poop 
did this is going to give my life back to me. Yeah. I mean, it's like, so it's so simple when you really think about it, isn't it? So simple. Well, and I also want to swing back around because one of the things that you mentioned earlier on when we were talking, Mm -hmm. and this is totally unrelated to fecal transplants now, but more related to the Lyme, was that Lyme and syphilis look very similar under the microscope. Yeah, they do. Yeah. So how do the doctors determine that you have one and not the other because they're contracted so differently as well? (laughs) Like, you know, and the treatment I imagine is very different for them both. Well, I think under a microscope, you can't tell the difference. I think Mm. it's probably... Well, first of all, you can't get diagnosed with Lyme with just one Western blot band. So if you just had the syphilis band, you wouldn't get a diagnosis even from from my doctor, Mm. right? Who's very, I guess, like open-minded about who might have Lyme and who might not. Yeah. Um, Then I think also the other inflammatory markers in your body would be really different. So like... Syphilis, I don't believe, attacks the immune system in quite the same way. I think it affects the brain more too, doesn't That's it? Like it's well, more of a Lyme neurological can, concern. Lyme can really affect they the can brain. Both, yeah, though, but mine didn't for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, that's a good question. I don't know if I'm like qualified to exactly. But the point is, it. you don't have syphilis. <laughs> the point is, I don't have syphilis. No, but actually, you're right. Before syphilis was well treated, people would go insane. There were like four yeah. stages of syphilis, and at mm-hmm. the end, they would go bonkers. Well, and it is fatal if not treated. Such an interesting question. Yeah. Lauren, I don't know. Well, that's, we should ask Dr. <laughs> I know we should ask <laughs> Dr. Like, Are we sure I don't have syphilis? <laughs> I know I don't have syphilis, but I just mean like what, like how do they? Yeah. Well, I think it sounds like maybe under the microscope, they actually can tell the difference. It's just that it's a spiral shaped. They're both called spiritus. Yeah. yeah. Which so is maybe like the shape that they are. I don't and maybe think there's syphilis. like one has a few extra tails or something, you know? Like I have no idea. Yeah. I have but no they, idea. But she, she didn't at any point say to you, like, are you sure you don't have an STD? <laughs> I'm, I'm I also don't think syphilis creates biofilms in that same way. Right, okay. Um, and you had a ton of other markers that were obviously Lyme. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the bladder stuff, the breathing stuff, the health of my immune system, mm. all of it is really significant. And I think it's important to talk about, too, because a lot of the people listening are probably undiagnosed. Mm. Um like one of the reasons that my Lyme was so hard to figure out is because I had some sort of kind of like mucous membrane Lyme that affected mostly my gastrointestinal tract, my bladder, my like throat. This episode is sponsored by Ember Wave, the intelligent bracelet that helps control how you experience temperature. I'm heat sensitive because of my Hashimoto's and medications, and this device has been a lifesaver. Using patented technology, it cools or warms the temperature-sensitive skin on your wrist, creating a natural response in your body and mind that helps you thermally adjust in minutes. The Wave was selected by Time Magazine as one of 2018's best inventions. But because the technology is new, it can be pricey. So for those of you with mounting medical costs to consider, the team at Ember offer a payment plan in partnership with a firm. And because you also listen to Uninvisible, they're offering you $30 off. Go to emberlabs.com, that's E-M-B-R labs.com, enter code INVISIBLE at checkout, and experience personal thermal wellness on a whole new level with me. So one of the things we spoke about when we weren't recording was Bartonella. Uh-huh. So can you talk to us a little bit about Bartonella and how right. it's related to Lyme? Right. So this is connected to why I said my case of Lyme looks really unusual. Mm-hmm. A lot of people that have Lyme have a co-infection called Bartonella. So it's the same thing. It's like you get bitten by the filthy tick. It yeah. has Lyme and Bartonella in it. Bartonella creates these really specific, what I, when I was just health coaching and not knowing I had Lyme, mm. what I thought of as like quote unquote Lyme symptoms. So they're like... 
intense anxiety and OCD. Oh my God. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, insomnia, which is a really classic Lyme symptom, is usually connected to Bartonella because mm. one of the reasons I was like, I can't have Lyme. I don't have the insomnia and I'm not neurologically insane, right? Right. I didn't have Well, any of you the- think. <laughs> I didn't have the like tingling, burning. A lot of Lyme people have like a, a skin crawling or burning mm-hmm. sensation, um, or like intense or muscular. Oh yeah, ticks. Yeah, Definitely. muscular ticks. Yeah, or, or just muscular pain. Like mm. fibromyalgia is another one of those that is often Lyme. Mm. So there's actually six diseases like fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue syndrome, Parkinson's, ALS, MS, lupus, and rheumatoid arthritis. If you get any of those, you should get tested for Lyme just to rule it out. Just to rule it out. Um, Anyway, so that's all Bartonella. So uh, here I am thinking I have I have these bladder things. I have this weird air hunger situation. I had chronic fatigue, which is very limey, but it had mostly been handled because mm. I had done so much work. Right. And it wasn't until I heard this podcast from an LA doctor called Dr. Rabar, who's a gastroenterologist, an integrative gastroenterologist. Mm. He did a podcast, which I can post with this if you I like. I would love that, yeah. Which I had never heard something that sounded so much like me. It was about SIBO and when SIBO overlaps with Lyme disease. And what he mm. sees when he has recurrent SIBO patients that also come with these this a, like very specific set of symptoms that sounded exactly like me, he was like, when I see this, I send these people to Lyme doctors. Because he was mm. like, because I don't think they have a gastro issue. I think they have Lyme. He's like, wow. I've been seeing this in the past five years we over thanksgiving break i heard that podcast in the car with my boyfriend andre and every five minutes i was grabbing his leg being like that's me oh my god that's me i mean it was like crazy so anyway lime looks like a ton of different things the classic bartonella lime is is like i said insomnia anxiety ocd joint pain muscular pain like feelings of like um light sensitivity and overwhelm thinking hurts Mm. that's all bartonella stuff and then there's this, like, other <laughs> co-infection stuff that I had with, yeah. with Babesia, which is, like, hot flashes, air hunger, drenching sweats, fatigue, you know. And seemingly connected to nothing. Seemingly connected to nothing. Yeah. Right, exactly. Mm. Um, okay, good. So, yeah. so you want, did you want to talk about ozone? Yes. I, w- I would love you to tell us how, how ozone works, because from yeah. what I understand, they're oxygenating your blood, right? Yeah, that's right. So they have to take some blood out, right, and then fill it with oxygen, and then put it back in. Amazing. So that's what you do when you go get ozone. Mm. It's like one of the lowest risk treatments you can do. And as long as like a pinprick isn't the biggest deal to you, it's actually pretty like painless. Mm. Um, I think psychologically it's scary. Like I remember the first time I went to the IV room in Holtorf, which is where I get treated. And I saw these people sitting around with like bags of their own blood above their heads. I was like, this makes me want to die. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to throw up. This is terrifying. But when I actually was getting it done, it really just, it's just getting an IV put in. Mm. And then, um, they draw a certain amount of blood, which you don't see happening. They like put a bag on the, on the ground in a little basket. That's so the sensitive. gravity, yeah, it's really nice. And um, you don't feel anything happening. Mm. I am alarmed at how I do not feel that much blood leaving my body. It's cra- mm. I mean, it's because you're, like, reclined in a chair for it. Yeah. Although I did, my only funny ozone story is I did get up too quickly after I had been, quote-unquote, drained before enough of the blood had gotten back into my body. I had to run to the bathroom because I have interstitial cystitis. Yeah. So I was like waiting for my blood bag to fill. Then they put the oxygen in, they hang it back up and then you start getting the blood back. And Mm. as soon as you get the blood back, you can get up and walk around. So I got up with my IV, went to the bathroom, sitting on the toilet. And I was like, oh, I'm going to pass out right now. Oh, man. <laughs> I literally, one of the saddest moments of my life was lying on the bathroom, hooked up to a blood bag, <laughs> lying on my back. <laughs> I can see you being like, this isn't good. I was like, this cannot be 
I had like kind of peed on myself. I had to get onto the ground so quickly. And I was like, this is it like hysteria. And I was looking up at this bag, like feeling like I was going to throw up. And I just had to wait until enough blood came back in. Yeah. Until I could stand up and walk. Anyway. That's Did you very, tell Dr. That's Hunt about that? She would have found that funny. Oh, no, I didn't. I <laughs> she would have been like, oh, you've got to take care of yourself. You've got to take care of yourself. She's just so sweet. She's yeah. like the sweetest, most yeah. caring woman. Yeah. And when I, even when I've like emailed her late, she's been like, oh, you were up late. Is everything okay? Like, <laughs> she's so she's tender. She's so lovely. She's that's such a really mom. Nice. You know, yeah. That's really nice. But I don't want to scare people. That's like, that never, ozone is so chill. Like, yeah. that was fully my fault for getting up so fast. Um, so basically, they take out your blood, and then they, they out of like what looks like a helium tank, like mm. if you've ever seen a balloon get filled up, there's yeah. like those big gas tanks. They have this O3 molecule, which is called ozone. So mm. it's not the O2 that we breathe. It's O3. Can't tell you why, mm. but that's what... Probably it's more bioavailable, maybe. I don't know. That's potentially very true. And maybe purer or... Yeah. I have no idea, but I educated love... educated guesses. I love what you're saying. Yeah. And what I do know is it's the smell after a fresh rain. There's that, like, incredible oh. freshness that feels so incredible to breathe. That's ozone. That's O3. Oh, wow. Yeah. Does it yeah. smell like a fresh rain when you're getting it? No, but weirdly, <laughs> this is very esoteric, but it might make sense to you. It literally feels... That feeling, when it's in your body, you feel like a fresh rain is in your body. Oh, it's that's like so lovely. So, so that just lovely. sounds like a fun recreational thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, truly, athletes come. It's like technically not allowed. Like somebody uh, called Holtrof when I was there and tried to like illegally get some ozone before a big like wrestling fight or something. Oh my! And they God. were like, no. It's yeah. like the new steroids. Right. It's like, well, because it is, it's a performance enhancer. Like when you, it's so funny because everybody comes in with Lyme feeling like trash. Yeah. They get their ozone. And I remember after I get my ozone, I literally am like, <laughs> the second time I got it, I was like, I feel amazing. I was like, <laughs> I want to go on a run. And the doctors were like, don't, don't, don't go do on that. a run. <laughs> you feel like you could like rip somebody in half. Like you're That's so, amazing. you feel so strong. And like, yeah. it's like, imagine like the deepest breath you've ever taken. Imagine getting like 20 of those oh my directly God. into your bloodstream it feels incredible yeah but anyway what it does is it kills pathogens on contact so they can't survive Mm. in oxygen yeah so you get your oxygenated blood back and as your blood your heart pumps it through your body if it comes in contact with lime the lime like explodes on contact and then for the next four or five days your body just kind of like mops up the mess wow um so you have what's called a herx What's so, a herx? Oh, good Good that we got into this. So Lyme yeah. is very specific in that when you're healing from it, you're actually going to start feeling worse, which definitely happened mm. to me. That did happen to you, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, because you're going to go through something called a herx or a herxheimer reaction, which is called die-off, which you probably have heard about. Yeah, I've heard about die-off. You get die-off yeah. with candida, too. Yeah. So die-off is, you know, if you kill a bunch of pathogens at once, they release toxins Mm. into your body that your body then has to clean up and get out through your kidneys and your liver. Yeah. And and during that process, you feel like you have a flu. So this cold that I got this week, I actually thought was a herx for like a week because I had done a big ozone treatment and usually get flu symptoms. And I was like, oh, we just killed a lot of Lyme. And now I'm like, no, I have a cold. (laughs) Do you know what's quite funny is that herx sounds like hex to me too. And it's like, like did you? Yeah, like a witch has put a curse on you. <laughs> Which is what Lyme feels like. Don't yeah. worry. Yeah. Pretty much that's already happened. Yeah. <laughs> now, interestingly, also we we had to relocate uh, rooms in Sasha's house just because of some like ambient noise, and where we're sitting right now is right in front of her home sauna. <laughs> yeah. So you finally, because I remember when um, we did our first interview series, you hadn't gotten the sauna. Oh, really? Yet, and you were thinking about getting yeah. it. And it's you guys. Like I'll put pictures up with the with the episode. It's stunning. It's gorgeous it's like a little wooden sauna with a glass front and it's just sitting in her bedroom and it's like 
Mm-hmm. She's just opening the door, and it's just lovely and all woody mm-hmm. inside. And it smells like a uh, hem. It's made out of Canadian hemlock. Oh, it smells well, like the forest. Well, goodness me! <laughs> when you go in, um, yeah, no, it's really, really nice, and it can help with herxes too. So if you want to detox, yeah. you can get in the sauna. So you're continuing to do the saunas, and mm-hmm. do you also continue to do the um, enemas? Not right now, since my fecal ah, transplant. That's I need great. to like leave my bacteria alone for a while. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. But yeah. those are but those are things that you could always return to, and you oh, can always, yeah. if you're feeling a little run down, do the sauna totally, to pick like, yourself up. Totally. If I have a really bad herx, I'll, I'll get in the sauna. It will help. Yeah. Sweat the stuff out. That's amazing. Yeah. I'm so happy for you. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So is there anything else you want to share with us about what this journey has been like? I mean, we've talked mm. about the relief of getting the final diagnosis and, you know, um, mm. all the different treatments that you're doing and the fact that you don't have syphilis. Good for you. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, anything else that you want to share with us? Just that, like, it's been such an interesting, like, final page. And, and like, mm. there's so much about it that feels like the end of something. Like, um, even just, like, socially, it's been such a different experience having Lyme disease than having, like, multiple autoimmune diseases nobody understands. Yeah. I actually feel like I no longer have an invisible illness in a way because Lyme is so known it's like and people suddenly see you pe- it's like people suddenly got it it, yeah. it was such a bizarre experience to go from feeling like the burden and this happens to every minority feeling like the burden was on me mm. to not only be the sick person but also get your empathy by explaining my life to you yeah. I went from that to people like I got a text this morning I'm concerned about you how's your health how are your treatments my own family such mm. a shift in their understanding of how severe like we were talking about, right? Yeah. Like everybody's understanding of the severity of what I'm going through has like skyrocketed. I'm met with so much more compassion and understanding. And even you've also stepped that up yourself though, haven't you? You know, like it's not just the people around you, but I mean, we did a thing recently because Sasha's boyfriend was out of town and like Mm -hmm. he's helping her get to appointments and, Mm -hmm. you know, um, making sure she has food and sustenance. And he was out of town and she and I were talking and what you did was you set up a meal train and you set up right. like a Google Doc where you said people sign up like and you reached out to your closest right. friends who you knew would understand. Which I never would have done had I not had a Lyme diagnosis. Like yeah. it's so interesting how like my own ableism like came into play around like not taking myself seriously until I had like a big capital L name for what this is but you're so right you know Lauren offered to bring me food which was so kind of her I I feel like that's what I always do now I'm like would you like tea would you like food (laughs) no but it was so so generous it's true you were here and you offered that and then she went away and I was thinking you know what actually if I could spread this labor out Mm. like what if other people would be willing to help me and what I actually found is once I was like hey I have Lyme disease we need 12 nights of meals covered are you willing to help I had this like overwhelming wave of support and so there's been such a completion inside myself Mm. into feeling so fully seen but is that like also frustrating that like they didn't get it before and they get it now it's really interesting I actually didn't feel that way but Mm. I can see how because I would feel that way well I I feel like yes if it were me I'd be a little resentful I'd be like oh well now you get it you know like but of course it's like you want people's help but by the same token, mm. it's like, why couldn't you get it before and you can get it now? Like, mm. Well, I think I changed, Lauren. I think I didn't you get did. it before. Yeah. I think, like, you know what I mean? I'm not saying that that's, like, I hear you and, like, it's not that I, it's a really, an interesting question. I didn't feel that at all. I felt mm. so touched by how much support was available to me all along, yeah. you know, that I wasn't aware of. But I think it was, like, my own 
my own willingness to say like something really serious is happening like that grew mm. when I when I had a label but also I think you're right it's, it's possible like if I had asked for help earlier when nobody knew what was going on maybe I wouldn't have been greeted with so much warmth I don't I don't know right? yeah um but you actually, changed at the same time yeah everyone else was listening yeah. yeah and I think you know Angie um Angie all too I know we've talked about before because mm. she's an autoimmune coach has such a great um I guess, like, catchphrase about this, which is don't be weird. She mm. basically is saying people take a cue off of you for how to treat what you're going through. Mm. And so what, she, what she's saying, don't be weird, what she means is about, like, like feet, like food-related things. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're like, I'm going to bring my own dish to your dinner party, I, I really, it's easier that way. I'm so happy to be invited. It, don't worry about me. I'm just going to take care of myself. They're like, fine. If you're like... This is super weird, but like, could you make these gluten free? But like, also, could you not? And like, I know this is so weird. And yeah. like, then it's such a big deal. And that's the apology thing. Then you get into that apology yeah. cycle, which I think women are also more prone to. I couldn't agree more. You know. Um, and so I think in a sa- in the same way, like when I started taking my disease seriously and admitting that I was debilitated in X, Y, and Z way, mm. and also I I was. I mean, once I started doing ozone, I was shocked at how much worse I got. Yeah. Um, I think I was met with like, I think you're basically met with what you put out there for the most part, you know, Mm. um, which is a great lesson and it doesn't just apply to an invisible illness. Right. That's very universal. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's been a a really beautiful completion. I feel, I feel so grateful. Mm. I feel so much more seen, um, and like known and supported than I did before. And you're a different person. Like Mm. your energy is clearer. That's so interesting. Yeah. I mean, wow. just to walk in and, and, you know, like I was wow. greeted with your arms outstretched and like, I mean, you're oh, always mm. so warm and welcoming, but this mm. was like an energetic welcome. Oh, wow. That's you know? so interesting. But it's like, you are yeah. more well. You're a, you're. Yeah. Oh no, I love you hearing know, this. Like you're a I, different person than you were three, six months ago. That's like, so crazy. And I've only been yeah. treating for three months. Yeah. And I, and I will say also like, you know, when you and I were, were corresponding in between, I would text you and be like, I, like, I remember texting with our friend, our mutual friend, Dana Shaw, yeah. who's also been on the show and saying I think Sasha's worse like I know she's like treating stuff I think she's getting worse before she gets better because just like the tone of your text messages even though you weren't like you didn't directly say I'm getting worse I was like Dana she's not okay and there was a day that I reached out to you and I was like are you okay and you were like to be honest no (laughs) (laughs) so that's also not okay right now (laughs) and it was one of those things that like it was part of the shift like where it's like I was like okay so you're not okay cool but sometimes it takes us reaching out to each other to check on each other Mm. to make sure that like people are okay because like not everyone's okay all the time well you're such a beautiful like emissary of that I well look I hope I'm providing a platform for people to be who they are in the moment that they need to be in yeah but also like truly like for somebody who wasn't even wasn't even that close to me until recently to like to be as generous as you were yeah FYI guys I've become besties with all of the people who've been on my show (laughs) you have no choice you're my best friend now. Yeah, Lauren brings me soup and tea yes. and, and is okay with the fact that I get worse and then better. And Because that's really, part of the process, you know? Yeah. And, and I also think, like, it doesn't necessarily just have to do with invisible illness. It has to do with working through our shit, yeah. you know? That, like, yeah. a lot of the time it gets worse before it gets better. That's just the mm. cycle of things. Mm. And the fact that you then embraced it and you were like, I can't cook. I need help. I need help. And 
that you so right. like was, disarmingly asked for the help. Oh, thank you. You know, like, and I think it was it was one of those things too. Like the email she sent it. So Sasha sent this email out to people, being like, you know, here I'm going to do a Google Doc with like the twelve nights, and you put your name in, and then I'll see you on the day. Whatever, great, yeah. perfect. I got the email not long after you sent it. And I got the last spot available. Yeah. So, like, there were 12 people or 11 people before me who stood up and took those places rapid fire. Yeah. Like, they were so thrilled to help. I was literally overwhelmed with support. And that's a lesson, too, is that that yeah. sometimes, unless we reach out and say, I need this help. A hundred percent, Lauren. We may not know how much 100%. our friends and family are willing to support us. And I'm going to go on a limb here and talk about something that, like, is potentially going to be triggering for some of your listeners, which mm-hmm. is that... I think we have to be really careful to not buy into our own victimization when we're sick. Yep. Like, I talk to a lot of people as a coach who are like, well, everybody's disappeared. And I'm like, have they? Mm. Like, have you asked? Yeah. I know I didn't. Because it's a two-way street. Oh, my God. And nobody's going to like, well, not nobody. Most people won't be like, I want to make sure Sasha's not experiencing a tragedy right now. (laughs) Let me just make sure, right? Like, it's like... I had to really be willing to express the severity of how debilitated I was. Mm. And what I found was, like, an overwhelming desire to support me. Like, mm-hmm. I have a friend coming this Sunday just to, like, put skincare on my face and, like, help me clean the house. So nice. It was just, like, the nice... It's, like, I was so... And, like, why don't we do these things for each other regardless of invisible <laughs> it's illness? A good, it's a good question. Like, that's a, it's a really nice yeah. thing to just be able to be there for your friends, you know? Um and it, it really, I think, reinforces the sense of community that we create around our, ourselves and our lives. And, you know, when you're really close with someone, like, why not take a little time and, like, cook a meal together? Or what? I mean, if, if you do that with your boyfriend or your partner, why wouldn't you do it with your friends, too, you know? That's a beautiful point. Um, and, you know, for me, that was something that helped when I was transitioning onto AIP. I had friends come over and cook with me. Yeah. Oh, and it made idea. it social. Yeah. But it, like, made it social. Yeah. And, like, they were excited to help. Mm. You know, so Mm. I I think there are so many opportunities that, like, uh, you know, what you're saying about, like, buying into the victimization of it. There are a lot of opportunities. Yeah, Yeah, there are a lot of opportunities to fall into the hole and throw a pity party. Yep. And pity parties aren't fun for anyone. No. You know, it's also hard to get help when you're self pitying. Yeah. To be real. Yeah. It is tough to help somebody who's in a lot of self pity and victimization. Yes. If you come to, like, I think one of the reasons my email was so effective is because I was very clear to be like, this is occurring. I'm getting better. I need some help. And if you can't, that's okay. Mm -hmm. As opposed to like, sometimes illness can throw people into a place of like, of like, poor me. I'm going to get, I want, I want to use this to like get all of the care I feel like I never got from my parents. Like it can be this huge thing, right? Yeah. And like, I also have a lot of compassion for that. Like I really have walked that path. But like, I, I just like, having lived both sides of it, I'm so amazed at how much love was available for me and like I try to share that story with my clients as often Mm. as possible because it's like you have to have help to get through this and often we are the things standing in our way yeah especially people with autoimmune disease there's a huge connection between like autoimmune disease and people who don't ask for help (laughs) it's almost every single one of us yeah and then we all have depression because of it and then you get anxiety and and then then you you tell a story that you're all alone which is not accurate yeah which which regardless, again, regardless of invisible illness, you know, yeah. is a story that a lot of people tell themselves and they try to fill the void in various ways that are Addiction. not necessarily healthy. Addictions, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. So, 
um, to be able to take a healthy approach psychologically mm. to the whole situation. Mm. It's where I'm like, everyone needs to go to therapy because it's so good for you. Oh my God, yeah. But it's also like you and I have done that, <laughs> yeah. you know, and it's, we're able to go, okay, let me like look outside myself. Let me yeah. also commune with the people who are in front of me and ask for the help I need to ask right. for. And, um, and it's made a world of difference for both of us doing that. So, oh, yeah. you know, but that's yeah. a huge realization for me. It only took four months to figure that out. For some people, it takes years. That's amazing. You know, like, yeah. And it is huge. Yeah. So I think we've covered so much. Yeah. Um, you know I like to do the top three lists. Okay. I know we've already like done those okay. for you know your your general tips, but yeah. I'd love to know if you have like any specific tips with regard to Lyme. Hmm. Um, in particular the way that your diagnosis has shifted okay. and whether you could offer any advice to anyone who might be in the same boat. Okay, well, here's what I'll say. If you have an autoimmune disease and it's rampantly untreatable, like, like there are people that have autoimmunity that are stable, mm. and then there are people that have autoimmunity that are, like, extremely not stable. I was one of those, and I, I know people who are like this, too. Um, if you have, if you're in that camp, like, test for infections. Mm-hmm. Really, really, like, I, you know... Like, an autoimmune disease, generally, once you get on top of it, tends to get better. If yours is not doing that, and it usually tends to get, like, very manageable. If yours Mm -hmm. is not very manageable, like, consider testing for Lyme, tick-borne illness, Epstein-Barr. Like, there's a lot of infections that can keep people much sicker than they need to be. Mm -hmm. Um, I would also say the same, too. If you have an MS, lupus, rheumatoid arthritis, chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, Parkinson's, ALS diagnosis, get tested for Lyme. Mm. Um, Lyme people in general know that you have to rehab your immune system. Like when people relapse from Lyme, it's because they didn't fix the damage the Lyme made. Mm. So if you have Lyme, I would really recommend not just killing the Lyme and thinking that you don't have Lyme anymore. Like you have to do what you can to rehab your immune system with gotta break it down and then rebuild exactly or else you'll relapse and and then it becomes chronic when Lyme doesn't have to be chronic and I mean you could think of it in terms of a a metaphor of like literally a building site if you're gonna knock something down you're gonna have a hole in the ground and you need to fill it with something I love that yeah yeah I love that and you need to fill it with something that's gonna make you better yeah in terms of re literally rebuilding god I love that there we go um I'll be here all week (laughs) ah that's funny um and then I guess my my last tip would be um I heard something really good. So my friend Sue, who's also going through Lyme disease, she heard something that I thought was really helpful, which is that um, sometimes when you have Lyme, it's hard to tell if you're getting better or worse because you can have a flare when you are healing, mm. which is called a herx. The herx. Mm-hmm. What I heard that was really helpful from Sue, and I think she got this from Dr. Hunt because she also sees her, oh, wow. was, yeah, was um, if you have increased or changed your treatments and you're feeling worse, it's probably a herx. If you haven't changed your treatments, you're probably having a flare. Mm. And I think that's helpful because if you feel bad with Lyme, it's it's like you want to be able to be like, do I need to change my treatments or is this like a healing crisis? Mm. Right? Yeah. And I think... I think that's it. There are so many other tips for Lyme. Mm. I like I'm hearing Sue in my head because she has Bartonella and Bartonella comes with its own set of tips. Like if mm. you're suffering from insomnia, like there's all sorts of tips with Lyme. Mm. Like if you have Lyme, you have to be sleeping. Yeah. So if you have Bartonella and you have insomnia and Lyme, like <laughs> that hasn't been my story. So I don't have personal tips. Like I feel like there's so much, but yeah. um, like I guess seek community. Like the Lyme community is so 
smart. Mm. People with Lyme become like little doctors. So if you have Lyme and you're not getting better, you can. Like it's a myth that Lyme is this thing that like is impossible to heal from. So I would get online to like patient forums and see what you can do. Yeah. Or contact you. Or contact me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Sasha, thank you as always for a beautiful chat. And um, I'm really just so thrilled that like you're Mm. on this path to to total wellness and like because it can happen you can get better isn't it yeah and it's like with a lot of this stuff it's like you know we think things are incurable and some things are and you manage them your whole life but like something like this with what you've been through and the fact that you have for years been practicing detox yeah you know I think has given you a leg up and I'm just so happy to see you like coming Mm, out on the other side of it so thank you and I think it's worth saying that like I was really the person that nothing worked for. Mm. And I was really the person that was like, I'm never going to get better. So like... Surprise. Surprise. <laughs> like, if that's you, you can. And it gets better. Like, it gets better, you know? Yeah. You have to be willing to keep digging. Yeah. And then it can go away. So it's amazing. It's overwhelming. It's hard to talk about because I feel like I like should write a poem or something because it was so... You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's like there it's isn't so enough language yeah. to be like... I didn't have a life and I'm being given a life back. Like, it's unbelievable. Mm. Although I don't want to judge people that are really sick as not having a life. But I think when you're in the depths, there's so little that's available to you. And, like, I literally feel like I'm being released from prison. I mean, Mm. there's nothing, there's no way to even talk about this that really captures what a big deal it is. Mm. Um, So I'll just say, like, I'm so grateful. Um, And I also, I worked my ass off and I put it number one. Like, it was my number one priority for five years. Yeah. So I want to say that. You know? Make your health your priority. If yeah. You're sick, it was, especially. I put every dollar. Yeah. Every dollar that I had. Mm. Credit card dollars. And it was worth it. It's that, this is the other thing. Yep. It's like, it's not like you're looking back and going, gee, I regret that investment. No. And also, I now still have, I have a big ass savings account right now, right? Mm. It's not like, like, Lyme didn't ruin me. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, I fought for it for five years. So if somebody is listening who's like, I'm never going to get there. It's been too many years. I've suffered too much. Like, you're wrong. Mm. That was me. Yeah. And reach out to people. Yeah. Mm. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you. (laughs) And if you need to find Sasha, SashaAlexander.com. And it's S-A-S-C-H-A. We'll link to it on the website. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks. That's it, folks. Thanks for listening. As always, please check us out online at uninvisiblepod.com and all over the social media world at uninvisiblepod. We love your feedback and suggestions, so please drop us a line via the website if you have questions, ideas for topics to cover in future episodes, or just want to say hello. We're all about relationships and collaboration here, so credit where credit is due. Music for this episode is by Sean Hart, who can be found at seanhart.com. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. 